Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Live from the palatial yet not overly ostentatious studios of CBS Sports Radio here in beautiful New York City. Sitting on top of the 10th floor, 345 Hudson Street. Welcome on in to a Friday edition of the Zach Gelb Show across all the great local CBS Sports Radio affiliates, Sirius XM, Channel 158, the free Odyssey app, and of course streaming on YouTube, youtube.com slash CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4CBS is over to jump on in. 855-212-4227. You could always get at me on Instagram, where I'm straight flexing, or via the good old cesspool of Twitter, at Zach Gelb. That's Z-A-C-H-G-E-L-B. Got Stuart Kovacs, Moist Mike, rocking and rolling with me all the way up until 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Joe Theismann, going to stop by an hour 20 from now, and then we will get you set a week out, a little over a week out from the Super Bowl, and we will welcome in a betting analyst for Sports Grid. Taylor Mathis is going to stop by. She'll give us all the prop bets, spread bets, uh, over-unders, anytime touchdowns, all that jazz with Taylor coming up at 5.20 p.m. Eastern, 2.20 p.m. Pacific. But I got to start out with Jim Harbaugh, and we'll also open up the show uh, with some audio here. This is Jim Harbaugh, who was introduced yesterday as the new head football coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, and here are his expectations for the franchise. Los Angeles, Southern California, uh, they respect talent, effort, and winning. And, uh, and it needs to be multiple, multiple championships. Uh, and that's, we're going to be hum- humble and hungry, uh, but you know, that's our goal. I don't expect Jim Harbaugh to win multiple championships in Los Angeles. But what else is he going to say? Like every coach, when they take over an organization, especially a coach that is as accomplished as he is, where he's won a national championship in college at Michigan this past year. And then when you take a look at what he did in the NFL, spanning over four seasons, he was in a Super Bowl, lost that Super Bowl, And he was also in three NFC championship games. So it is abundantly clear he is leaving Michigan for two reasons. One, he doesn't want to put up with the nonsense and the petty behavior of the NCAA. The other is, just from a human standpoint, you have to live the rest of your life as much as you love your brother, knowing that your brother beat you in a Super Bowl. And even if you win a Super Bowl in the NFL, it may not come Well, it can't come up against his brother because his brother's the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, it's an AFC thing, Chargers and Ravens. But I do feel as if that burden and that 
looking in the past of, okay, I lost a Super Bowl to my brother, does fade away a bit if you do get your hands on a Lombardi trophy, regardless of who the opponent is. So Jim is going back for those two reasons. I'm not going to sit here, even as a huge Jim Harbaugh fan, and say that I expect them to win multiple championships, but I don't think it's ridiculous to say that Jim Harbaugh should win a championship in the NFL when he's coaching Justin Herbert. Because you look around the league, it is tough to find an elite quarterback. And Justin Herbert has a ways to go in becoming an elite quarterback. But when you look at Justin Herbert, the roadblocks of the last few years, it's impossible not to acknowledge when Brandon Staley was your head coach. And let's just be perfectly clear about Brandon Staley. He should have never been hired by the Chargers. And even if you were on board with the hiring, after year two, he should have never been afforded the opportunity to get a year three. And everyone in that locker room, whether they liked him or not as a person, when you get down to their core and get down to the truth of the way that they think, they knew that Brandon Staley wasn't that dude. And there's only so much you could take when you know that your coach isn't qualified and you know your coach isn't the best coach to lead this team before eventually the tires just totally collapse and the car just totally collapse and then you are just completely broken down. And it took three years or two years and change in Los Angeles for that to occur. Because in year one, Brandon Staley made a dumb decision. Stu knows it better than anybody, and his Raiders benefited from it. And there were questions about him then. But then in year two, it was just make the playoffs. And they made the playoffs, but sometimes expectations change depending on how you do it. And in that postseason game, when you're up 27 points, you need to slam the door shut. And they weren't able to slam the door shut. And after that game, there was no justification in bringing back Brandon Staley, but the Chargers did it. And the Chargers bringing back Brandon Staley caused them this year in the little bit of adversity that they faced early on for everyone to jump out of the car and realize that this car was heading to a big-time accident with Brandon Staley leading the charge. So I do believe, like you look at that Chargers team, Last year, they were a five-win team. Just bringing in Jim Harbaugh, you have to think automatically makes them better by at least three wins because it's going to be a total, totally different culture in that organization. You're going to have players that are going to go into work now, and there's actually going to be trust, and there's going to be continuity in that organization. And people are actually going to know when they go into work that they have a smart football man that knows how to win. Not only did he win in college, but he also had a good amount of success in four years in the NFL. And just having that bright football mind in the building and someone that is qualified and someone that is deserving of being the head coach will make the Chargers exponentially better in just one year. And I get it. You could tell me until we're blue in the face about the salary cap issues and the injury problems in Los Angeles, blah, 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 blah. Everywhere Jim Harbaugh goes, he wins. The dude is a winner. And he is going to win in Los Angeles. He is going to make that franchise 
a whole lot better. And ultimately, we will see if he could win a Super Bowl. But I'm not going to doubt this guy. And he has the quarterback. And I know now there's a conversation about Justin Herbert. Underwhelming. You know, overrated. Overhyped. That's fine to say all those things. But I'm not going to be the dummy that doesn't realize the natural talent and the natural ability of Justin Herbert and know that right now Justin Herbert is definitely a top 10 quarterback in football. And now with the pairing of Jim Harbaugh, he needs to go from being a just a top 10 quarterback to then when we talk about him being a top five quarterback. But why would I doubt that Herbert can't do that with Jim Harbaugh? Because everywhere Harbaugh has gone, he has won. And he's also had success in some capacity in developing the quarterback. So those conversations and those criteria and those past events, it all teams up for Harbaugh and Herbert to be extremely successful. And in year one, you say, well, Zach, what are the expectations? I think in year one, it's a fair expectation to have the Chargers be in the playoffs, even though they only had five wins from a year ago. But the way that I look at this, year one, make the playoffs. Year two, you should be in a conference championship game. And then year three, at Super Bowl or bust time. Maybe that process could be expedited by a playoff win this upcoming year. And then maybe after this year, you look at the team and you say, okay, it's Super Bowl or bust in year two. But Harbaugh's not going to hide from the expectations. Harbaugh's not going to hide from the hype. And also, Harbaugh's not going to be an idiot. And you saw Brandon Staley, unfortunately, live and die by analytics and not trust his gut at all. And Harbaugh's not afraid to go for it. We saw what he did in the Rose Bowl. He went for it on fourth and one, fourth and two, back in his own end. There are moments to go for it. But it seems like a lot of times, especially earlier in the year this season, up against the Raiders and the Vikings, where in back-to-back weeks, Brandon Staley goes for it inside his 30-35-yard line, and we're like, what are you doing? Are you ever going to learn? Are you ever going to adapt? Are you ever going to change? And what Brandon Staley was for the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, Jim Harbaugh, is the complete antithesis. And the complete antithesis in a massively better way. So yeah, Chargers fans should be excited. Chargers fans should dream big. Chargers fans should believe that one day Jim Harbaugh will deliver them a championship. But as far as for next year, they need to make the playoffs. And you look at the schedule. Remember, they're in a last place schedule. So the one good thing about Brandon Staley is that they got them a last place schedule for this year. And just looking at like the bare minimums, you should be able to go three and three in this division. We don't know what the Raiders are going to look like. You should be able to get one off the Raiders. I know the Chiefs are a great team. You should be able to get one off the Chiefs and you should be able to get one off the Broncos. And maybe you lose both to Kansas City. And then you take two from Denver and you take one from the Raiders. But one way or another, you should be bare minimum heading into next year Three and three in that division. You do play the AFC North. Tough. But with Jim Harbaugh at the helm, it's not like they can't beat the Ravens, the Bengals, the Browns, or the Steelers. I'm not saying they're going to beat all four, but you should be able to take two out of two 
from the best division in football in the AFC North. And then after that, you play the Saints. You play the Falcons. You play the Bucks. You play the Panthers. You play Tennessee. You play the Cardinals. You play the Patriots. You know, that's a grouping of six games or seven games where there's no world beaters on your schedule. Like, who's the best team out of that group? Atlanta or Tampa Bay? So I do believe in year one, Harbaugh is going to lead them back to the playoffs. And I also do believe at the end of next season, we're going to be talking about Justin Herbert as we were a few years ago, where he's going to be just on the cusp of becoming one of those elite quarterbacks, one of those great quarterbacks in the NFL. This is a perfect marriage. This is a marriage that needed to happen. And I do give credit to the Spanos family because a lot of people didn't think this was going to happen because they are perceived to be cheap. And right now, they don't really have a strong fan base in L.A. And the players will tell you that, and they'll be the first people to tell you that the fan base is not really present in L.A. So now, you make a big-time hire, and finally, it feels like the Chargers have the potential to be a big-time team. And this hire of Jim Harbaugh is going to change the entire organization. And also, directly just in the AFC West, it gives us hope. You know, I get it. In the AFC right now, the only quarterback that you could trust to be Patrick Mahomes in a big game is Joe Burrow. But look at when Brady was dominating in the AFC East. None of those organizations were ever able to get their act together. Buffalo wasn't. The Jets weren't. The Dolphins weren't. When Brady was running the AFC East. Now Mahomes is running the AFC West. And we just want one of those teams to be a legitimate threat to maybe slow them down or dethrone them here and there. And you look at the Raiders. Yeah, I like what they did with Antonio Pierce. You know, I like that Max Crosby and Devontae Adams are going to be on the team next year, but we don't know who their quarterback's going to be. You look at the Broncos. Sean Payton is running, uh, rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. You know, their roster's not that great in Denver, and they don't know who their quarterback's going to be. And that's the thing. When you look at the elite duo and one of the all-time great duos of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, you're going to not only need to be able to outcoach them, but your quarterback's also going to need to be able to outplay Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback. And I'm not saying you could expect the Chargers to do it year in and year out, but out of the other teams in the AFC West, yeah, you bet your ass Jim Harbaugh and... Justin Herbert had the best opportunity to do so. Because the Raiders, there's uncertainty. Denver, there's uncertainty. You still got to figure out the rest of the roster, but I at least know I could trust the quarterback for the Chargers and I could trust the head coach of Los Angeles Chargers. And I don't ask for much, but all I'm asking for is that someone in the AFC West can be a legitimate pain in the rear end of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I don't see why Jim Harbaugh and Justin Herbert can't do it in certain spots. It is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. What are your expectations for Jim Harbaugh in year one with the Chargers? I think it's two things. One, make the postseason. And at the end of the year, talk about Justin Herbert, how we used to talk about him before this past season as an elite quarterback or on the cusp of becoming an elite quarterback in the NFL. When we come on back, 
The Baltimore Ravens want to give Lamar Jackson more input. We will discuss that conversation when we return. And uh, we'll be back in five minutes off and running. Very busy Friday edition of the Zach Gelb Show. Joe Theismann will join us at 4.20 p.m. Eastern, 1.20 p.m. Pacific today. Taylor Mathis, betting analyst for Sports Grid TV, will stop by as well. 5.20 p.m. Eastern, 2.20 p.m. Pacific. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. You could stream the NFL on Westwood One for free, sponsored by AutoZone all season long. You could listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL Live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports or on the Odyssey app. Get in the zone, AutoZone. AutoZone's free battery testing and charging is available for free at your local AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. Uh, remember on this show, we are pro Taylor Swift. We do have a Swifty in Stuart Kovacs, who is an enormous, enormous, enormous fan of Taylor Swift. Um, we do also acknowledge, though, other couples that their significant other plays in the NFL. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, he's got a lot going on for him. Tremendous NFL running back. Uh, signed nearly a $70 million contract a few years ago. Is one of the more explosive players in the NFL. And then off the field, uh, Olivia Colpo is his uh, girlfriend. I don't know if they're engaged. I don't think they're married. I think they're just dating. Uh, no, it's uh, they're, they're engaged, actually. It's uh, his uh, fiance is Olivia Colpo. So good for Christian McCaffrey. You know, that's got to be like an all-time great son. You know, his dad played in the NFL, won a Super Bowl. And we know that Christian McCaffrey is one of the more feared players in the NFL. And he is engaged to Olivia Colpo. I don't know if there's many better lives being lived right now on this planet than Christian McCaffrey. However, I was reading from our uh, friend at ML Football, and this was via the New York Post, that Christian McCaffrey and his fiance Olivia Colpo, cannot afford a Super Bowl suite per Christian's mother, Lisa. We looked into a suite, and none of us can afford it. Not even Christian money bags over there, nor money bags Olivia. So when I first read that, I'm like, all right, you got to hear the context of it. And sometimes that doesn't relate when it's not an audio and it's done in an article. So I'm sure that was like kind of joking and like getting under the skin of your son. Now there's been an update to it since I guess this did go viral yesterday and into this morning. Um, Christian McCaffrey's fiance, Olivia Colpo, has brought a suite for Christian McCaffrey's mom, Lisa McCaffrey's birthday, it is reported to have cost. I'm not going to give you the cost. 
But, Stu, take a guess. How much do you think a suite at the Super Bowl does cost if you had to just take a guess? Oh, wow. I'd say, like, maybe $750,000. $750,000 is Stuart Kovacs' guess. Santer, what's your guess on how much a suite costs in Las Vegas at the Super Bowl for Christian McCaffrey's family? And, and there's go, no discount, I don't think, from the league. I'm going to go prices right rule, $751,000. <laughs> well, come on down. Do, 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 do. Uh, $2 million. $2 million for a suite. Now, like, don't get me wrong. You're, you're famous, right? Your son's famous. His fiance is famous. They could afford the suite. You know, I'm not saying $2 million is like a little drop in the bucket of uh, money. Like, that's still a significant dent. But when you signed a contract worth up to $64 million, and I don't even know what Olivia Coppola makes a year, but she's got to be a millionaire, I would think, as well. Like, her net worth has to be, I have to imagine, bare minimum, a few million, if not north of that. And watch, it'll be like $100 million is her net worth or something like that. But you, you got to think that she's wealthy as well. Yeah, you, you buy a suite for a Super Bowl. That's what you do when you're that family. And also, with how expensive the tickets are anyway, like a buddy of mine sent me face value tickets for the Super Bowl this year. Hold on, let me find this. The cheapest was $960 a ticket. That's the cheapest. Worst That's seat in the house. That's not terrible. No, $960 is not bad. That's but, not terrible for a Super Bowl but let uh, me say, with these two teams. That's the cheapest for face value. This is for face um, oh, for face, different yes. story. This is for face. It's nine sixty. Then it's uh, the next uh, tier is one thousand nine hundred and fifty, two thousand, and it goes all the way up to nine thousand five hundred for face value tickets. Now, like online, I think like the cheapest ticket you could get right now is like uh, six thousand dollars or something like that. I don't know what the heck just played off my computer. Stu and I both looked up in a in a very quick instant. But you know what it is? It's it's actually a sad note. Um, it's a video of uh, Carl Weathers who passed away. Uh, th- that's what it was. Not to make you guys sound like a bunch of jerks, but rest in peace to uh, Carl Weathers, obviously, um, who passed away today at the age of 76. And it was a video of him playing Apollo Creed and uh, running with uh, Rocky Balboa on the beach. And that's what's played. That was what was playing. So a weird way to introduce that. But anyway, getting back to our conversation about the these Super Bowl prices, like $2 million for a suite. Like, to us, that's a lot of money. I'm not saying to them it's nothing, but when you're Christian McCaffrey and Olivia Culpa, don't you have to do that? Like, you have to, especially with how many friends and families. Like, I would imagine what? In a suite, you could probably get, like, 12 tickets, I would think. No, a suite? No, you got like, there's like 20, 25, something. It's, it's, 20, 25 for the suit, you think so? Oh, oh, trust me. I've been in suites before. Definitely oh, more than 10, big, 12. Big, big, big shot, Mike. Yeah, I don't mess around, dude. Mm-hmm. I don't mess around. So I, I bought two tickets at face value for the Super Bowl. I, I bought the the cheapest you could get. I got two for $960. I'm, I'm going to be going to the game. Uh, so I'm fired up to do that. But, yeah, it's just wild that that was the story today. And then I guess they were getting crapped on. Because it's like McCaffrey and Olivia Culpa, like you guys can afford it. Like go uh, get your parents to the game, and then I think uh, public pressure got. Now, for us. the record, from what I'm looking at on a variety of different sites, that you know, it's not a hundred percent, but apparently her net worth hovers closer to that ten million dollar range. Okay, which if that's the case, two million dollars, even if you're splitting it with your fiance. So Christian McCaffrey is the breadwinner here. 
is yes. what you're saying. Yeah. It's a $64 million contract. Yeah. You but know, still, $64 million contract, a lot of money. $2 million is a nice chunk of that. Yeah, no, I'm not, saying it's, I'm not saying it's cheap. But, like, this is not uh, $2 million to, to Steve Cohen. All right? This is, this is good money. Like, he, they're having to pay. But they could afford it. And, the, and then also, here's the other thing, too. I don't know how many tickets they would have needed. But if you need at least, like, 10 tickets to the Super Bowl, and I don't know how many you could get through the team for face value... And is he responsible for getting those tickets for those other family members and friends and families and stuff like that? Like, at that rate, you may as well just get a suite for $2 million, too. Do you think, by the way, here's a question that I just have. Do you think the NFL gives Taylor Swift a suite for the Super Bowl? I would say for anybody else, no. For Taylor I think she Swift, gets one. I think she gets one. I think she gets one. Like, remember last year how uh, Donna Kelsey was sitting in the commissioner's box? Maybe that maybe they invite her and her her entourage or the people she wants to watch the game with into uh, into Goodell's suite, or they may just give her own luxury box as well. Because how much money did I read somewhere? It was like three hundred and thirty something million dollars she's made the NFL this year. I think I read something along those lines. When someone's making that amount of money for the NFL, like very little, the NFL has to suck up to, and the NFL has to genuflect to because they are the king. But with how positive the Taylor Swift thing has been, yeah, I, I would probably imagine she's like one of the exemptions. She's on that elite list of people that do not have to pay to get into the Super Bowl, and she gets like a free luxury box as well, or at least an invite with like six or seven tickets into the commissioner's luxury box. But she could be on like uh, Patrick Mahomes' list too because Brittany Mahomes and Taylor Swift now have become buddy-buddy. Anyway... Uh, let's get to John Harbaugh, the coach of the Ravens. He was speaking the other day, and he says they want to give Lamar Jackson more input on the offensive game plan. You say Lamar has the keys to the offense, okay? Now you build the offense, it's like setting up a car. we got to build a car. we got to set the car up. If Lamar's a driver, he's got to be involved in the setup of the car more. Last year, that wasn't even possible, right? This year, he's going to be involved, and he's, we've talked about it. He's already involved in setting up that car. Now he comes in on the front end, and he's talking to the guys about how the car's set up and exactly how these things need to be run. Here's the thing, though. Like, you want to give him more input, I'm fine. I look back at that AFC Championship game, two things still stand out to me. Lamar Jackson was rattled in that game. And his confidence took a major, major hit on the sideline. You know, inside the NFL with Ryan Clark, Channing Crowder, a bunch of other guys on that show, they always get the mic'd up version. And Odell Beckham was trying to motivate Lamar Jackson in the game. When you're like the leader of the team and you are the quarterback, you should be doing the motivating. You don't need someone trying to motivate you. But I go back to maybe what got lost in that AFC championship game because we try to dumb everything down and we try to put blame on one person. And when it's the NFL, you can't just blame one person. That's not usually fair. But Lamar, deservedly so, he took the majority of the blame for that AFC uh, title game because their offense basically only put up one touchdown and and one score. I know they got a field goal towards the end um, throughout the duration of that game. And when you are that high-flying offense and you are about to win your second MVP award, because remember, these awards are regular season awards, so Lamar's still going to win the league MVP. When you have that bad of a performance and you are a star quarterback in this league, yeah, you're going to be the one where all the blame gets pointed to. But the thing that I absolutely hated in that game was the approach. 
And I don't know if Lamar had more input in the game plan if it changes things. Because it's almost as if the the Ravens, even though they're number one rushing team in the league this past year, it's almost as if ever since they brought in Todd Munkin, they tried to go away from the Greg Roman line of thinking of we're going to be a run first team. Remember Lamar in the offseason said he was going to throw for 5,000 or 6,000 passing yards? Like something ridiculous, some ridiculous number that was not obtainable. And it's like, Lamar, you never got to 4,000 yards in your career. What made you think you were going to be able to like almost double it? Like that input would be absolutely absurd. But it wasn't as if that game, even though it felt like it was a blowout, when you look at the scoreboard, it wasn't a blowout. And what the Ravens failed to do was go back to their bread and butter. And that was running the football with running backs and running the ball with Lamar Jackson. And there was a few times where they utilized the screen game and it worked. But it was almost as if they were saying, we need to go make everything back up in one play. And that was just a dumb approach by the Ravens. And uh, an approach that made no sense because they were only down by 10 points. This was not like sometimes you just abandon the run and just throw, throw, throw because you're down by such a big margin. 10 points in the NFL can be made up extremely quickly. And whether they give Lamar more input or not, I know John Harbaugh just said it. I don't care. It's are the Ravens going to go back to the identity of doing what makes them the best team? And that's running the football. And I'm not saying Lamar can't throw it. He could throw it. But when you're trying to make him just be a thrower and not have him utilize his legs in that AFC championship game, you're not utilizing one of the more best weapons in the NFL the right way. And that's the part to me where I think the Ravens, even though they had an incredible regular season, come postseason time, they almost tried to win in a certain way. And that was throwing the football and having them win through the passing game. Well, like, if you have been a champion before and you have already won, if you want to try to prove a point, okay, even though that's, like, foolish, I can live with that. But when you've never won a championship with Lamar Jackson yet, it's almost arrogance to say we're going to win a certain way. And that's the point that annoyed me in the AFC championship game. Because the Chiefs were begging. They were absolutely begging for the Ravens to get back in this game. The Chiefs scored zero points in the second half. Zero. And any time the Ravens got the ball back, it was just throw, 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 throw. Throw into triple coverage, intercepted. You know, I know Zay Flowers got the ball uh, punched out by LeJarrius Sneed. But it's like, why did you think that game plan was a smart one and it was going to work? So give Lamar more input. I don't think that's a bad thing. But are you going to try to win and try to put out a game plan that best suits the strengths of your team? Because in the AFC Championship game, you didn't put out a game plan with Todd Munkin that suited the strengths of your offense. It is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. We will take a timeout. We'll come on back with some questions, some answers. We do onside, offside every Monday and Friday here. But first up with the latest CBS Sports Radio update is the fantastic Marco Belletti. It's uh, time to ask the pros where you, the listener, gets asked us a question brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Simply tweet your question at CBS Sports Radio or at Zach Gelb using the hashtag AskThePros. Be listening later in the show when we might answer your question. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people. 
at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Time for Onside Offside. Stu, you know the dealio. Hit it! Zach's taking on the most polarizing issues in sports. Which side of the line of scrimmage will he end up on? Offside. Defense number 69. It's Onsides, Offsides with Zach Gelb on CBS Sports Radio. All righty, Mike, what do you got cooking for me today? All right, now we've been talking a lot about the head coaches, so let's get a little bit into the coordinators going down here in the NFL. We'll start out here with a report from CBS Sports saying that UCLA head coach and obviously former Eagles head coach and Oregon head coach Chip Kelly. Don't forget about the Niners. That guy, too. <laughs> a lot of them forget about it. I know. It was Went to Kyle Shanahan, so it's worked out. Uh, he's trying to get back into the NFL as an OC. So onside offsides, a team should hire Chip Kelly this year as their OC for 2024. It's kind of sad as to what Chip Kelly has become. Like, he's not a bad head football coach right now. He's at UCLA. You know that they. it feels like the last two, three years they've been trying to move on from him. But he's been winning eight or nine games the last three seasons. But this guy used to be the rock star of college football with this offense at Oregon. And then he made the decision to go to Philadelphia, where he was kind of Cliff Kingsbury-esque, where his teams would start out really strong, and then they would just fold down the stretch. And eventually, Jeffrey Lurie was like, this guy's a tyrant. We have to get rid of him. And he should have taken a year off. He then quickly bounces in San Francisco. They go two wins, and then they fire him. But then ever since, it's like once you were the great rock star, and then you get a, a little bit of failure, it's like then you just become a dude. And at 60 years old, I don't think I need to hire Chip Kelly. And even though he's probably better suited now as an offensive coordinator, when you've had that ego of being a head coach, can you just be an OC? Can you just blend in and be okay with not getting all of the credit and being the guy. So I I think there's just better options. And I think the days of Chip Kelly being this offensive guru are just long gone. And I don't think I need to hire him to be an NFL offensive coordinator. So you say a team should hire Chip Kelly as their OC for 2024. I will go offside. Offside. So we're going to stick with the coordinators. Now after missing out on the Eagles defensive coordinator job, Ron Rivera is reportedly meeting with the Cowboys next week, staying in the NFC East apparently. And Rivera, as we uh, as we discussed, will be joining us on Radio Row on Friday. Although who knows, maybe uh, Jerry Jones might give him a muzzle if he hires him over there in Dallas. I, I think Jerry Jones would allow him to talk as much as he wants. Yeah. The Cowboys encourage talking. Do as I say and also as I do. Yes. So onside, offside, the Cowboys should hire Ron Rivera as their DC. I would be fine with that. But the only thing I wonder, and maybe McCarthy doesn't care anymore because he made it work with Dan Quinn and he's still standing. You then get off to a slow start in Dallas. What then happens with uh, the speculation there? Like, are they just calling for Ron Rivera to then be the interim head coach and to fire Mike McCarthy? So there could be some hesitation on the behalf of Ron Rivera, on behalf of Mike McCarthy, but like you are late in the game now. Like I know we've just had a lot of changes and there've been uh, coaches hired, and I know it's only right we haven't even got through the season yet. But it's like is Rivera the best option? I wouldn't say he's the best option, but I think he's a fine option, and I think it'd be good enough when you have the talent of the of the Dallas Cowboys and you look at Rivera. 
I think his days of being a head coach are over. So if he still wants to coach, I do believe he could be a good defensive coordinator because he was just in the head coaching game for all those years. Um, so I don't think it's the greatest option, but I don't think it's the worst option. The Cowboys could do a lot worse. So therefore, I guess I'm saying, yeah, if I have to pick one way or another, I'll go on side that the Cowboys should hire Ron Rivera as their DC. I think it's also tough, too, when you are a lame duck coach to get good coordinators. And I think that's a very difficult thing to do. Like, I don't know where Chip Kelly's going to land, but it would probably be on one of these newer staffs. When you're already an established staff and you are a lame duck head coach, it's very tough to attract a good name. So I guess Rivera's not a terrible name, but it's not like I'm jumping for joy if the uh, Cowboys end up hiring Rivera. All right, now last coordinator question, I promise. Stu is either elated or devastated as Antonio Pierce hired Cliff Kingsbury as the Raiders' next OC. Onside, offside, Kingsbury is the right fit to get the Raiders' offense humming. I don't think it's a bad fit. So I'll say on sides, ultimately, they're going to have to get a quarterback. This is a brilliant offense of mine that as a head coach, he just couldn't lead a team throughout the entirety of the season. Now you're asking him not to be the head coach. He's still young. He still understands the innovative way of offense. Uh, yeah, I will. I know it was a disaster at the end in Arizona, but I don't look at his overall tenure as a disaster. Um, so I will go on sides that Kingsbury is the right fit to get the Raiders offense humming. Now, in 2024, Tua will be entering the final year of his contract and is owed just $23 million, a relative bargain for quarterbacks. But today, from the Pro Bowl, Tua was asked if he expects to sign an extension this offseason, to which he said, quote, I believe that will happen. Onside, offside, the Dolphins should give Tua Tungavaloa an extension this offseason. Yeah, this is an offside for me. I would let him play out this year and just see what happens. I think Tua is an overhyped quarterback. I like Tua. I don't love Tua. And I think Tua's stats are a little bit misleading where Belichick gives you the line of stats are for losers. In almost every big game this year outside of the Cowboys game, that Dolphins offense that has a tremendous amount of offensive weapons was extremely underwhelming. So I look at Tua as a guy, especially with the injury pass, and I know he stayed healthy this year, where am I going to want to commit 45 like million dollars a year to him. I don't feel comfortable doing that. I would make to a play for his future on the roster this year. And he's a good quarterback. I wouldn't say he's very good. I wouldn't call him great. I would not call him elite. I think he's just a good quarterback. And that's always the conversation. Good quarterbacks can get great money, but I'm not rushing to pay to a tongue because for most of the time in Miami, he hasn't been worth it. So prove me that you're worth it this year and you could really take the next step. Like they made the playoffs again this year. Tua stayed healthy this year. In the playoffs, that offense was terrible in Kansas City and they blew the division down the stretch. He couldn't win the game up against the Buffalo Bills where they had every opportunity. Those things matter. I'm not rushing to pay Tua. I think you do the smart thing here and the prudent thing here, which would be you play out this year, even if it gets a little bit uncomfortable with Tua's representation, Tua Tungavailoa, and the Miami Dolphins. So the Dolphins should give Tua an extension this offseason. I would say offside. Offside. Now the Bill Belichick haters are out in full force yeah, after he is. was essentially fired from the Pats and couldn't land a new job. Ravens DB Marlon Humphrey piled on yesterday tweeting, the quote, greatest quote coach of all time could not get hired out of six head coaching job opens, a jobs open. I think that debate can be put to rest, end quote. Ouch. Onside, offside. Belichick not getting a job this offseason does impact his legacy as the GOAT coach. 
No, offside. I, I think Belichick only tried to get one job. That was the Atlanta job. And people inside the organization were afraid that they were going to get fired. And that's why Belichick didn't get hired. I'm not saying Bill doesn't have to adjust and change. He does. I don't know if he will. But this idea that two years is ruining a man's entire legacy where he just kicked the NFL's ass for 20 years is just so ridiculous. And it's so in the moment and so takey. And it's like Marlon Humphrey. I'm not saying he can't have an opinion because I haven't won the Super Bowl and I have an opinion. But for him to go out of his way to attack Bill Belichick when he's not won a Super Bowl and then also your team just choked in the playoffs and didn't play well in the postseason, like maybe you should focus on your own team first before you start getting into these GOAT debates about Bill Belichick. So Belichick not getting hired does impact his legacy as the GOAT uh, offside. Offside. Now the Sixers got some bad news that Joel Embiid will miss extended time with a torn meniscus in his knee. Now, after some rule changes this offseason to curtail load management, Embiid will likely be ineligible for postseason awards, meaning he will not repeat as MVP. So onside, offside. Now, while the spirit of the rule makes sense mm-hmm. to avoid load management, onside, offside, players who miss time with legit injuries shouldn't be fully excluded from postseason awards. Um, when you say postseason awards... That's just like the MVP. MVPs, comeback player of the year, mm-hmm. sixth man, defensive player of the gotcha. year. Um, they, they now have a cap on it yeah, so that guys games. don't load manage. Yeah, so, like, if you can't play 65 games, you probably won't have a case to be the MVP. So, I understand the spirit of the rule, and it stinks what happens here. And I know some people are saying they believe Embiid played the other night because he wanted to be eligible for the MVP award, but like you have a decision to make. If you if you feel like you're not healthy enough, then don't play. And if you don't win the MVP, that shouldn't be paramount for a guy that's already won the MVP. And I love Joel Embiid, but this idea now that we have to change the rule, I, I don't agree with that. So players who miss time with legit injuries shouldn't be excluded from postseason awards. I'm going to say offsides because it's not that I'm saying, oh, if you get injured, you can't win an award. But if you can't play 65 games in an 82 game regular season there's someone that's more deserving for you for all these other awards so that's why i go offsides offside although it could be said that like he should you know let the voters make that choice as opposed to the league mandating that he can't even be eligible but here's the thing i i never defend adam silver i despise adam silver i think spineless silver is the weakest commissioner that's out there of of, of the four major sports He finally makes a rule that says, you want to win these awards which players care about? Then you got to play. You got to value the regular season. That's my biggest problem with the NBA. The regular season for a lot of these teams and a lot of these players, they don't care about it. And as a consumer that's like dying to watch something in February, and I tune in and a player's out for load management, like forget the Embiid thing because the Embiid thing sucks. Like I'm not saying that. But for a lot of these players, they're just resting. And okay, you win a championship like Kawhi did a few years ago, the resting worked. But like... They finally make a rule that is asking the players to play, and now we're going to change it after one thing. Man, Silver really have no spine if he now reverses course of action on this, and he shouldn't. It's unfortunate, but it doesn't mean that his intentions were wrong here. His intentions were actually right. All righty, we'll come on back. We'll rank the new head coaches that have been hired in the NFL. Joe Theismann going to join us 25 minutes from now. Hey, 
everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 